Thank you, Rick and Jamie. Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37 will begin in verse 23. Read to the end of the chapter and get the rest of this account of Joseph and his coat of many colors and, of course, the brothers and their treatment of Joseph. Uh, we have, of course, the story as mentioned uh, through verse 28, but we back up and then we have some other details about what was summarized uh, concerning what the brothers did. And we'll be looking at some uh, interesting details and we'll be looking if we wanted to entitle this morning, this afternoon's uh, sermon would be Skeletons in the Family Closet. And they do come out. Genesis chapter 37, verse 23. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? So it came to pass, when Joseph had come to his brothers, that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted up their eyes and looked. There was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. Then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit, and he tore his clothes, and he returned to his brothers and said, The lad is no more, and where shall I go? They took Joseph's tunic, killed a kid of the goats, dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without a doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and a captain of the guard. Let's pray together, please. Father, thank you for your word. And we thank you, Father, for the stories, the history of your nation. Father, we thank you also that there are lessons for us to learn. Help us as we look at this story to learn these lessons. Remind us of these things when we need them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Skeletons in the family closet. In this past description, as we mentioned, there is a big message in small statements, in small details. Verse 25 simply says, they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lift their eyes and look, behold, there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. Dothan was on a trade route. 
Dothan, the word Dothan means two wells. Obviously, you would put an outpost like that because you had two wells. Very well could have been one of them was dry because the pit that they threw uh, Joseph in was a pit with no water in it. So it was a dry well. It was deep enough, and of course, the walls were steep enough. Once you got into it, you were not getting out without help. So it was an abandoned dry well. But because of the fact that it's called Dothan, it's a place of two wells. It would have been common, it was on a trade route, and it would have been a common thing for these caravans to come back and forth. So it was not uh, too much of a uh, notable thing for them to look up and see a caravan come by. It was something that was very common for them to see, and it's going down to Egypt. But now, not just any caravan. It was a caravan of Ishmaelites. Now, who were the Ishmaelites? Well, the Ishmaelites were the descendants of a man called Ishmael. Who is Ishmael? That's where it gets interesting. Back up to chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. And as we read this passage, we realize the behavior of the wives in this morning's passage of Scripture is an old family tradition. And let's look at chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, See, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children by her. Abram heeded the voice of his wife. Then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Now, isn't that sound familiar? Well, that happened a couple of generations before what we read this morning. So... <coughs> Her suggestion is, I've got a good idea. I've got this servant over here. She can be your wife. Now, what did we mention about that this morning? Compromise. It's a compromise. There was Abraham. God had said, I'm going to use you to be, do big things. But he may have been a chosen man for God's work. But what was he? A man. He was a creature just like all of us. A human. A human with faults, with mistakes, with weaknesses. And she happened to find that weakness and said, we've got a good solution here. Why not go with this solution? And, of course, it was so important at that time for families to have children, especially for a man that had a lot of livestock. So he heeded her advice. Now, there's trouble, and trouble didn't take long. Actually, it worked. Hagar's expectant child. Verse 5 Sarah said to Abram, my wrong be on you. Now, isn't that interesting? My wrong is your fault. My wrong be on you. I gave my maid into your embrace. When she saw that she had conceived, I, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. Abram said to Sarah, indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. This is your servant. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Hagar. 
Now the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said to her, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from? Where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. The angel said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly. They shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel said to her, behold, you're with child. You will bear a son and you will call his name Ishmael. So Ishmael is the son of, of course, the compromise that Sarah and Abram came up with to solve their problem. But we understand there is trouble. As soon as her plan worked, Sarah began to despise the other wife. Anytime somebody strayed from God's plan on marriage, there was trouble. In every household there was polygamy in that we mentioned, there is trouble. Just because we read it in here doesn't mean God approved of it. God let them make their mistakes and make their decisions, but oh, did they ever pay for it. Now in chapter 21, he completely throws her, she completely throws Hagar out. She completely throws Hagar out. But notice God's promise. God said, you'll bear a son, call his name Ishmael. And in verse 20, we read, as for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I've blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. He will beget 12 princes. I will make him a great nation. So we understand this is Ishmael, a brother, a brother to their granddaddy. So the Ishmaelites after several years, had become very great because you have to understand, people had a lot of kids. So two generations back, a brother to their granddaddy, there would have been a lot of them. And so we realized they decided they would trade, and they always traveled in packs when they went to trade because it was dangerous to go out there and be a trade route all the way across to another country. So the descendants of Ishmael, his sons, his grandsons, all traveled together, and lo and behold, when these guys wanted to sell their brother into slavery, who would show up but their distant cousins? Their distant cousins. And when it's mentioned here, the Ishmaelites came by immediately. We're reminded, you know, Abraham made a compromise. And that compromise caused trouble in his home. And that compromise we're still reminded of that with the Ishmaelites. But then we talk about the Midianites. It's the Midianites and the Ishmaelites are mentioned interchangeably here. Are they the same people? Well, they're two different people in the same group, but yes, they are of the same group. Who is Midian? Because the Midianites were to be the descendants of Midian. Who is this guy? Chapter 25, verse 1. By this time, Sarah had died. Abraham's wife, Sarah, had died. Hagar had been thrown out a long time ago by Sarah before she died. Now Abraham is wifeless. And it says he took a wife. Her name was Keturah. And she bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, 
Ishbak, and Shua, Midian. So there's another son of Abraham. There's another group of distant cousins that we have here, the Midianites. The Midianites were so well known for trade, hundreds of years later when Isaiah had a prophecy in chapter 60, verse 6, he talks about the multitudes of camels will cover thee, the dromedaries of Midian. And Midian, of course, was known as the traders. So we understand these guys were known for trade, and not many years after, when it comes to the grand scheme of things, in just a couple of generations, Ishmael's descendants had gotten to such a big group, they had a trade group. Anyway, they were known as the Ishmaelites. So we have a reminder of compromises in past generations, which would be Abraham. But now we have a reminder of Jacob's own compromises. Now, we mentioned those this morning when we talked about the man had four wives. Uh, and uh, that's trouble enough. But we have another. We have another reminder of his compromises. We look in verse 31. Well, we back up to verse 29. Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit. You see, Reuben's plan was to rescue him out of the pit. He's, Joseph wasn't in the pit. He tore his clothes and he ran to his brothers and said, The lad is no more. Where shall I go? Well, they hatched a plan. So they took Joseph's tunic, and they killed a kid of the goats, and tip, dipped the tunic in the blood. And they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's or not? That's a devious plan. They took that coat of many colors. If you notice, first thing they did, they stripped it off of him. Now, the word stripped means that, of course, he put up a fight. But they wanted that coat. And they took that coat, and then they threw him in the pit. And now he's gone. They still have the coat. Now they have a plan. They've got to cover up why he's not there. So it says they killed a kid of the goats. Now, we say they killed a kid. We don't get all alarmed there. That's what you call a baby goat. It's not like a kid. It's a baby goat. They killed a kid, and they drained his blood out, and they splattered it all in the coat and made it look like, of course, something bad had happened to Joseph. Well, Jacob is deceived by a baby goat. A baby goat is used to deceive Jacob. Now, we see the skeleton in his closet. Look back in chapter 27. Chapter 27. First verses of chapter 27 tell us that Isaac, which would be Jacob's daddy, Isaac was old. Isaac knew he was about to die. And he called Esau Jacob's brother. And said, man, I would love some of that deer stew. Before I die, I want some deer stew. And if you'd get your bow and arrow and go kill me a deer and make me some deer stew, then I'll give you my blessing. And I'm waiting on it. So off he went. He got his hunting clothes together, got his camo and his bow and arrow, and he was out there hunting a deer. Well, in the meantime, in verse 5, now Rebecca, 
was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went into the field to hunt game and bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father such as he loves. And you'll take it to your father that he may eat it and he may bless you before his death. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will fill me and I will seem to be a deceiver to him and I will bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son, only obey my voice, go and get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. His mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, put them on Jacob, her older son, and she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. She gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. And Jacob deceived his father. And Jacob used baby goats to deceive his father. And now Jacob is deceived. And what did his sons use to deceive their father? Baby goats. Skeletons in the closet. Came back to haunt him. He never knew about this. Probably never made the connection. But indeed deceived he was. Let's look at a small detail here. These guys were shrewd. These boys were shrewd in how they dealt with their father. If you'll notice, they took Joseph's tunic, verse 31, the coat, the coat of many colors, and dipped the tunic in blood. And they sent the coat of many colors to Daddy. Now stop there. What'd they do? They didn't carry it. They sent it. They sent it by a servant. They didn't have to face Daddy. They never lied about the coat. All they did was have the servant carry it to Daddy. And ask, is this Joseph's coat? And Jacob drew the conclusion that Joseph was dead. The boys never had to tell him. By the time they got home, he's in mourning. And he's telling them, Jacob's dead. Jacob, Joseph is dead. Joseph is dead. He drew their own, his own conclusion. They never had to tell him. To them, it was like, we washed our hands of this. We never told him. We never really told him a lie. We just sent the coat home. He can think whatever he wants to think. But were they responsible for the deception? Absolutely. Absolutely. But can you see how shrewd these guys were? Do you think that Jacob had some issues with a fracture in his family? It was a dysfunctional household. Now let's look at one more thing because... There's all the behind the scenes and the skeletons in the family closet, but there is a lesson here. And the lesson here for us is the danger in the middle of the road. Reuben says, let's not shed any blood in verse 22. 
Let's just put him in a pit. And I suppose what the guys thought they would do is put him in a pit and leave him. And they hadn't shed blood, but if he dies in the pit because nobody rescues him, that's just the way it goes. Reuben says, no, Reuben's the older of the brothers. He's the firstborn. As the eldest of the brothers, he has the moral responsibility to take charge of the situation. And he took charge kind of. He took the middle of the road. The middle of the road is, no, we're going to throw him in a pit. We're not going to kill him. We'll throw him in a pit and just leave him there. Now, his idea was to take him out of the pit and carry him back home. But instead of confronting the brothers, say, no, you're not going to touch him. He took the middle of the road. Now, what happened? He took the middle of the road and didn't take a firm stand. He kind of made a stand. But when it came time to go back and get baby brother, the plan was already hatched. And that's when he tore his clothes. And he said, where shall I go? And scholars think what he's saying is, where can I go? I can't face daddy. I can't face daddy. I took the middle of the road, and it was a disaster. A disaster. And for those times where we think we can kind of make a stand or maybe not go along with the plan but never take a stand against evil or against wrong, what, what's in the middle of the road? Traffic. So we've got to make sure we don't go in the middle of the road. Take a firm stand. Stand for what's right, what's good, what's decent. That is the lesson that we take in this chapter of Joseph. Now, there'll be more chapters to come in the weeks ahead. Is there anything before we close?